the bigger deal, Robert, is actually not so much replacing labor, but it it extends the career of the laborers that you have. That was Nate Fedig, the general manager of a thriving multi-million dollar landscape company in Colorado, Alpine Gardens, sharing a really healthy mindset about technology. It doesn't replace laborers, rather it helps your people avoid burnout and last longer. Nate and six of my other top landscaping clients got together with my entire staff for our first ever client advisory panel, where we met and talked with each other about the green industry, business, and working together. Today, I'm going to share some of our key business takeaways from this exclusive event, including challenges landscaping leaders are facing around the country and tips for solving them. Do four-day work weeks really work in the green industry? How to talk to clients about fluctuating and increasing material costs, shortages, and delays. The pros and cons of the H-2B visa program and why some landscapers swear by it while others absolutely avoid it. And helpful perspectives on how Branding and marketing can help you stand out and increase your prices in a competitive market. Let's get into it. We weren't getting the leads that I knew we could. We weren't getting the right leads. What started happening is that our, our leads are more qualified. Our sales have probably gone up by about 10 to 15% a year. We're going to increase our sales volume by a million dollars in a year. What's up everyone, Jack Joss is here. Welcome to the Landscaper's Guide to Modern Sales and Marketing Podcast. This show is all about helping the green industry get found by better customers, increase your rates, and ultimately enjoy a better lifestyle. We talk about sales, marketing, and business. And today I'm really excited to share uh, some things I learned from my clients. We invited seven clients to do a client advisory panel during our, our uh, third annual retreat, and all of them said yes and took a half day out of their busy spring season to spend with me and my team. So I'm really grateful that they did that, and I can't wait to share with you some of the things that we talked about in that client advisory panel. What are some of the challenges that you're facing in business the biggest challenge right now is finding people um we've we've got more demand than we know what to do with um we could grow 20 percent this year if we could find employees um and they're just they're not there to be had at the moment to kind of repeat that we have a huge labor shortage in connecticut right now well not a shortage but nobody wants to work um we can't get anybody to apply even for 20 25 an hour plus positions we can't get anybody to apply for job openings um and then compounding on that we have uh huge material shortages we're looking at in connecticut um whether it's pavers or plants or anything in between where i've never done bids before that i leave them open-ended for uh paver choices that basically telling them the client we'll put in a patio for you of unknown design color shape um and then what the supplier decides to send us is basically what we'll install is not far off of where we're at right now one of our clients kelly slater the vice president of pleasant landscapes down in south carolina shared how her team leverages four-day work weeks to actually reduce overhead expenses here's how as 
payroll costs are going up. And, and last year with our bad, horrible labor shortage, we were in the same boat as, as I think Chris mentioned, 20, $25 an hour, I can't even get people to cut grass. Um, so last year we raised all of our prices to compensate for that labor um, because we were paying more, the little bit of labor we had. Um, and then again, this year on the material side, we've gone up, um, but we limit overtime because overtime is something that is controllable um, and, and how you schedule and what you schedule. So a couple of years back, we had moved to a four, 10 hour shift um, work week, appealing to Americans because it was a three day weekend, but it also gave us that extra day, whether it was weather related, um, if we had significant growth, so we're able to limit our overtime, which is a cost that isn't necessary. Alpine Gardens General Manager Nate Fedig shares how planning and proper, accurate job costing is essential. It's all about planning. And, you know, everyone thinks, you know, we're in a seasonal market. And so everyone thinks we're just um, sitting at home twiddling our thumbs in the winter. And, and that's when we're working on the business as well as still trying to sell work. But um, it's, it's all about budgeting for us with, you know, making sure our crew average wage calculations are accurate and including, you know, what our overtime factor is. And then uh, like, like Kelly kind of alluded to, um, we're at the whim of mother nature. And so you know, landscapers make their money um, when it when it boils down. You, you're selling hours, and so when you can't work, um, there's no way of getting that back. Uh, and so, um, you just have to really understand your pricing and be on top of watching your job costing as you go along, and and try and manage the labor and the materials and all the costs, and make sure your pricing um, is accurate. When it comes to handling fluctuating material costs, Altera Landscape Design's lead pack mule, Jeffrey Riddle, handles it right up front. Early in the sales cycle, we're, we're sort of highlighting that as an issue for them and just saying, hey, you know, if you guys want to wait until this market settles down, you know, we wouldn't blame you. Uh, it's totally understandable then, you know, sort of making it clear that we can't, we can't bear, you know, the increases in materials if they happen after we sign our agreement. Those, those increases are going to be borne by the client. If we share it up front and we actually give them an opportunity to delay the project or do it next year or whatever, then they're usually, I mean, I've had one person say, okay, you know, we're going to wait. Most of the others are saying, uh, okay, you know, we understand and we're, we want to go ahead. And then they've made the decision to go ahead. And then if it happens, you know, the, it's much less likely to end up in a fight. Ramblin' Jackson landscape marketing strategist Robert Felton was curious. Do investments in new technology reduce the need for employees? In the manufacturing world, it's easy to maybe replace labor with something like machinery. Yours, it's hard. I mean, it is very labor-driven. I have seen some of our clients experimenting with robotic lawn mowing and different things like that. And I was wondering if they had any examples of where, you know, maybe you've replaced 
some labor with something that's been very, very beneficial or worked really well, maybe a machine. I mean, an example, maybe, you know, Ramblin' Jackson sometimes can replace an expensive marketing department. That's something that we've done in the past. And I'm just kind of curious, have, have you ever had a moment where you're like, wow, this piece of machinery really helped with that expensive labor cost? Just curious if it's ever worked for you. I mean, we've seen the small, the mini loaders that are now, you know, powered by the these super powerful small diesel engines and you know they're just basically they're hydraulic pumps on tracks and you can attach anything to them and uh they're they're changing the game quite a bit so they save a lot of time they, they're you know they prevent our guys from lifting things they shouldn't and you know, you guys are all familiar with, you know, the Toro, the Ditch Witch, and the Vermeer. And then, you know, John Deere's getting in the game. So we're going to see smaller, more powerful machines that are akin to robots coming soon. Nate shared an interesting perspective that technology doesn't always replace laborers. It often extends their career. Yeah, I think to just to follow that up, um, we also use the, the mini track loaders on every crew. I mean, we used to own one, and now we've got one on every crew. Um, and I think the bigger deal, Robert, is actually not so much replacing labor, but it it extends the career of the laborers that you have. Um, you know, our industry's hard on the body. And so the more you can mechanize, um, you can extend the career of, of skilled labor. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, from a marketing standpoint, we always recommend having people having photos of your fleet. If you have a fleet photos of your, of your gear in your recruiting, because I think when people who know the tools that you have see that they're going to be more likely to choose to work for you. So that's one, one takeaway for us is to, I think learn more about the equipment that you're using and make sure that we have even like, Hey, Kubota or John Deere, they all have amazing photography on their own websites already. And we can usually get, get access to those. When it comes to using the H2B visa program, I was fascinated to learn that while some of my clients absolutely swear by it, some absolutely avoid it and only use local talent. Um, what would you say in terms of uh, each person, like how much of a percentage do you have as far as like local labor versus people that you're getting through like H2B visa programs? Well, for us, we're 90% H2B. We are so dependent and so reliable on it. Um, and that, you know, cripples us in the bad years, but it also gives us, you know, 40 guys during the season when we need it. So we're extremely dependent on, on the H2B program. We've just made the decision so far to stick with 100% local um, labor because there's too much politics in the, the H2B program. And, and we've seen too many other companies not get their guys. And we decided we'd rather go into the season knowing that it's going to be hard to find people rather than uh, <laughs> getting a surprise in April. That's fair. <laughs> we intentionally applied and went through the application process a year ago for no other reason than to do kind of recon work as to what a lot, a lot of competitors are using. 
um, and the costs are astronomical. And the hardship is that we see the math, if for those who aren't familiar with the HTB program, who whatever your whatever the HTB labor limit is set at $15.49, everyone in your labor composite has to be at that or greater. So instantaneously, you're increasing your labor composite, whether you want to or not. And, and we don't run the gamut on overtime. We're very, very diligent about here's what the labor hours are set at. Here's what you're expected to do as a foreman. And if you're on or you're off, um, we digitally track that. So we know by the end of the day, it's not like a month went by and we blink our eyes and say, well, what happened to June? You know, what do we do? Um, so we're able to talk with those foremen and they know what that talk is about. They know what we're doing, but we won't accept any quality control deficiencies either. So that, that kind of is the check and balance of somebody who's just mowing and going. It was exciting to hear how similar our business as a digital marketing agency is similar to running a landscaping company in some ways. In fact, one of our clients, Turk leads his company, Cornerstone Partners Horticultural Services, using EOS, which we use at Ramblin' Jackson. EOS is an entrepreneur operating system, and it's a very structured way to run your business. So meetings are very, very diligent. You have a, a preset agenda. It's timed. Uh, it starts on time. It ends on time. You'll hear Ramblin' Jackson talk about that quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, there's issues, right, that come up. And rather than harping on them and turning it into a soap opera, and it's the same issue again, you, you load those issues, everybody on the team loads those issues or their departmental meetings, those issues, you rank them as a group and you say, hey, that's our, that's our biggest nugget. If, if we solve this issue before this meeting is done, that'll be considered a success. And you beat the snot out of that issue until you come to a resolution of it. So there's another acronym IDS, which is identify the issue, define the issue and solve the issue, define and discuss the issue. And that's where everybody in the table says, why are we dealing with this? Why are we dealing with AR? Why are we dealing with, we can't find laborers. We get, we could sell the doors off this place, but we can't find anybody to produce it. So you wrestle with that and you don't move on to the next issue until that one is solved. When I first adopted EOS for our organization, I was like, the scorecard thing is like the checklist, right? I don't want to be a police officer and like, oh, you missed this one. Oh, you missed this one. Oh, you missed this. The scorecard is really cool if the, the, the light bulb went off when all the team members have to fill in their own scorecard. You're not filling it in for them. They have to fill it in. So that accountability is literally staring them right in the face. Nearly all of our landscape clients who attended the panel have experienced the challenge in finding great people to join their team and handle all the demand, which begged the question, why do marketing when you're short on labor? Here's what Chris Algren had to say. Marketing for us, um, we've had a as a couple of people mentioned, we had a fairly full pipeline and I, it, the situation that we're in, I'm, I'm our primary salesman for our company. Um, so the quality of leads has uh, been my biggest challenge. Um, and we've been working through our process on developing pre-qualification um, to try to increase the quality of those leads. But I, even with a shortage of labor, what we found the way we do a lot of our marketing and our social media marketing is that has actually helped draw some employees from other companies, um, as a few other people mentioned, through the, our use of equipment, um, the way our employees look on our job sites, um, even just the branding of our vehicles. Wow. 
that that's that's great. You know, so a lot of people often, you know, you're ahead of the game, Chris, and recognizing that because many many landscapers say, oh, because I don't have labor, I should not do marketing because I can't hire anyone. And I always say, hey, if, if you if there are A players out there looking for a job, they're going to Google you. They're going to they're going to look at you and your competitor. They're going to work for the three star company with a 10 year old website that has a warning that pops up um, that tells you to fax in your resume or are they going to are they going to apply online for the five star company that it has a mobile friendly website and you know photos of people you know ringing the bell or what, whatever and that, that's the big thing we've already been using on our new our, our new website just went live um that they developed for us last week um so we've already been using uh, that was one of the biggest ads to our website was the application so we're able to send uh, potential employees right to our website to access that no business is easy to run, regardless of your industry. And there's some challenges that a lot of green industry businesses are experiencing. Here are some that Chris shared about being the main salesperson and running the company. Uh, it's incredibly stressful, um, especially anybody, any other owners here know that being a business owner, like you get burnt out and you have off days and you just don't feel like talking to anybody. I'm sure. Um, so being the only person who's doing selling when you have those days, it, it's definitely more challenging because you have to be on your A game to sell projects um, and keep the pipeline of projects full. So um, it, it's definitely challenging. It's one of our next uh, positions we're working on filling is to actually have a, a dedicated salesman. Um, but that's getting all of the things that are in my head or any of your heads, I'm sure, is trying to get that down on paper so a salesman can actually perform that job because if they don't do it correctly or or are not properly motivated, um, they can easily, yeah, just selling a job isn't their job. Selling a profitable job is their job. Um, and that's, that's been my biggest holdback from putting somebody in a, a staff member in that position. Inside Out landscape design owner, Andrea Mueller shares how important it is that your branding is consistent. So for us, definitely the website was key. Um, branding, like he was talking about, and as soon as we rebranded and making sure that all of our, like our signatures on our emails and our, basically anything that could have our logo on it is consistent. And um, because we just rebranded, we still have our uniforms to rebrand. Um, so of course, sometimes you can't do everything all at once, but um, that has been really huge. And basically just, um, you know, when we post something that it aligns with our values and our core values and just being consistent with our message. With regards to competition, Jeffrey Riddle shares how marketing puts you at the better of the two ends of the spectrum when it comes to the landscape industry. I mean, we're only four years old, but we're trying to create something and marketing is kind of ties it all together. It sort of says, who are we to the world? And, and then it uses that to create demand and to create opportunities for us. And hopefully enough of them so that we can be choosy. And I love to have an advantage as a business owner. I don't like to go just compete head to head with, you know, all the competitors. Dallas is a huge place. And there's, there's literally 10,000 people here doing landscaping. 
unless you have an advantage, it's just a miserable life. Uh, and so, you know, marketing ties all that together, you know, the, how we communicate, what we do, and, and providing a better experience. Brandon Serpit from Three Bears Landscaping in Minnesota shares how putting pricing information on his website leads to higher qualified leads. That helps a lot. Um, we just recently did that and um, that has helped at least get them in, but now we're getting even pickier and we have to keep getting pickier. And it's like, all we're talking about is trying to qualify leads, whether it's a customer or an employee and then getting them in the door and how you treat them and all your processes. So for us, patience is key in sticking with our budget marks uh, and, and then having a high profile website with all the organic uh, marketing to, sup, uh, to get that rolling. Brandon kind of hit the nail on the head with, with the pricing thing. Um, you know, every, everyone doesn't really understand how complicated landscaping is with what it is now. I mean, um, it's, it's not really going and putting in lawn and rock and trees anymore. Um, you know, we're, we're building enclosed spaces outside. We're basically a general contractor and the options of what they can do are limitless. And, but everybody wants this price, like, um, you know, like they're buying a widget and they don't, they don't quite understand that everything is custom. And so, you know, they call you, they want to, you know, they show you around and it's like, all right, what's, what's this going to cost? And they don't understand what all goes into that. And then kind of building off of that, then where, where we're at right now is we've got such a long backlog that they get the time to, um, after they've signed the contract, they get the time to think about what they've done and then they start changing things. And then it just becomes this never ending thing. And so you're in the middle of the project and they're still changing things and they don't understand what that has, what effect that has on the cost, on the schedule, on, you know, the whole process. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the recap from the client advisory panel. This was a really special experience. I want to thank my clients again for, for again, taking half a day out of the springtime to spend with us. We learned so much from you. And I hope that those of you listening got some value uh, from listening to this. Now, if you check out the show notes, if you haven't already, I invite you to listen to our recap of the retreat where we shared a whole bunch of other things that you can do if you're running a retreat at your landscaping company. So check out our show notes or visit ramblinjackson.com podcast where you can see a transcript of the show other episodes, links to helpful content, and more. My name is Jack Jostis, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Landscaper's Guide to Modern Sales and Marketing podcast. I can't wait to talk with you next week. Mm-hmm.